You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. That music only means one thing. Check it out now. We're close to football season, if not in it. And Cynthia Freeland joins us on 98.7 ESPN. You can hear all over uh, the NFL Network. She's taking her tour around, uh, visiting all the camps. And we're thrilled to have you on. Cynthia, good morning. How are you? Good morning. 39 days until we're playing actual football. (laughs) Can you believe it? All right. um, Let's start in our own backyard. Um, obviously, uh, Dalvin Cook here with the Jets. The green and white scrimmage is happening right now. Rich Samini is tweeting that uh, Woody Johnson and Dalvin Cook are on the sideline. They're talking. They've got a boom mic over them. Uh, we can we can only anticipate and suspect that that is uh, HBO Hard Knocks uh, trying to uh, get some sound. Um, had a physical today, seeing what's up with that shoulder. But as we know, his heart is in Miami. Miami Dolphins, his hometown team. I truly feel it. he needs to have his John Hancock on the contract. I don't feel the Jets can let him go without signing him uh, because I, I do believe that, you know, he's he's being pulled in both uh, areas in regard to the Miami Dolphins and the Jets. What say you? Where do you think Dalvin Cook lands? Oh, I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a Jet. I think, you know, look, maybe his heart's in Miami and he can spend the offseason there as much as he wants. He'll go there twice a year, you know, once a year, you know, obviously to play against Miami. And then he can go there when he's in the offseason. I think sometimes the opportunity to win is a really big deal for players. So I, I just don't know if I see him going down to Miami and signing there. I think, I think he's a jet and, you know, look, you'll really know if people can see, I, we got to, I love Rich Samini. Rich Samini is one of my most favorite reporters since before I even, you know, even before I work at ESPN, which was before NFL Network, and he does such a great job. I just need to know if Woody Johnson's dog is there. That's how you know if he's serious or not, because that dog goes everywhere. And if the dog is there, then that means even better things. Ooh, somebody needs to tweet Rich. Is there a dog sighting? <laughs> is Woody's dog there? It's a really cute dog. It's great. And I love that he brings him everywhere. It's like my favorite part of, of anything to do with Jets training camp. What? What what breed? What what kind of dog does he have? I don't know what breed it is, but it's a white dog. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. The, I'm bad at I'm bad at breeds because I have a mutt. You know, I have a mixed dog, so it's, I never know. The, the, I'll leave that to the people, the fine people at Embark to do the to do the, <laughs> the DNA stuff for me. There you go. With that being said, what are your thoughts about the AFC East? Right. I, I know you just spent some time in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I want to ask you about that. You're on your way to Buffalo to spend some time with the Bills. This is going to be a very competitive division. I think folks are sleeping on the Patriots with the addition of Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator and how he's going to help Mac Jones. I think Bill Belichick is tired of the talk that he's on the hot seat and that he can't win without Tom Brady. I think this is going to be a very competitive division. Who do you have winning it? You know, I have the, I still think that it is the Bills to lose because ultimately – you know, look, like like you have to remember, chemistry does matter and putting things together and starting off strong. As much as we say, like, you know, your schedule, and there's lulls and there's hard parts and there's easy parts, it does matter to kind of get that momentum going. So even though, you know, obviously with the Hall of Fame game, the Jets hadn't uh, started a bit a, a bit sooner. Like, it's between the Jets and the Bills, but I, I still think it's the Bills to lose for, for now. But I do, you know, I was actually getting into a pretty heated conversation with some people that I work with, like M. Rob, you know, Michael Robinson and Steve Smith about, is it the AFC North or is it the AFC East that's the best division? And I think we, in all of football, and I think we all kind of came to the conclusion that it was the East. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think you can make an argument for both. Uh, so, uh, so with, with that being said, um, I, again, you're, you're heading to, to Buffalo, you know, how has, I guess, two part question. Number one, do you think Buffalo is a better football team this year than last? And if so, uh, why? And if so, why not? Well, I think they did some things that really, you know, helped their quarterback, meaning, you know, last year, this time we were talking about, you know, they, they, it was a, you know, they were the Super Bowl favorites, the odds on favorites to win the Super Bowl. But we had some questions about, especially the guard position, that interior O-line where you, you kind of, with a mobile quarterback like Josh Allen, you really kind of need to, hold on, Gordy is, a, just, my, my dog is deciding to play with the loudest toy possible right now. I apologize. That's all good. It's but, all good. Uh, but, um, but anyway, so we were talking about guards this time last season. And that was a that was a big deal. Can they get their run game going more? How does Ken Dorsey fit in? Remember, it was his first season as OC with Gable becoming the Giants' head coach. So, you know, there was a lot of kind of what felt like smaller changes. And then injuries plagued them last season. And now you've got Von Miller coming back for a second season. You've got a lot healthier in the secondary. And, yes, Jermaine Edmonds is gone, but you have a lot of continuity in that defense with, you know, Micah Hyde coming back and Jordan Poyer, those two safeties that are really important. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're in a slightly better spot this season than last season because of the additions and the second year of, you know, Vaughn in this off, or defense, excuse me, and, you know, just the maturity of, you know, Josh Allen taking the next step forward. I know we saw some drama with Stephon Diggs, but, you know, drama in June is fine. Drama in, you know, August, September, bigger, bigger deal. Um, again, let's just, because I, I, I do want to continue and talk about some of the biggest storylines in, in each division, but let's stay in our own backyard in, in regards to the Giants. I'm hearing phenomenal things about Darren Waller, Cynthia. I mean, just like unbelievable. If the dude can stay healthy, can be a complete beast this season. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, coming to terms with the Giants, huge. He's in that backfield. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations for the Giants this year in the NFC East division? Well, unfortunately for the Giants, the NFC East is the hardest division in the NFC. But right. look, like, I, I think that the, look, I, I think that the, it's between, to me, the, obviously the Giants and the Eagles. And the Eagles with that defensive front and all the rotation, like, that's going to be hard to get past. That's, that's a really good. That's a really good team, and uh, they got somehow better this offseason, even with an appearance to the Super Bowl. The Giants, you know, remember this time last season we had many, many, many question marks, and now with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, they did such a good job. We have far fewer question marks, but it still is a team that there's some holes on the defense that need to be figured out and need to be schemed for. And Darren Waller make a huge difference. Also, you have to remember, like being able to stretch the field a little bit more vertically, give Saquon Barkley so much more of an opportunity to do what he does best. And if Darren Waller can help in that crowded space between the hashes, like that's going to be a big difference maker, especially when you think about going up against teams like the Eagles with that rotational defensive front where they're specifically putting guys in to stop guys like Darren Waller on every down. But for fantasy purposes, I really do like Darren. Because we got to talk about our fantasy draft, you know, obviously, Anita. So, you know, Darren Waller is a guy who I'm, I've, I've propped way up on my fantasy tight end ranking. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, if he can stay healthy, man, uh, he could crush it this year because I, I just I see Brian Dable utilizing him all over the field. 
not just as a, a prototypical tight end who's blocking, you know, 25% of the time and receiving 75% of the time. I, I think he's going to be used as a receiver 90% of the time, which is really, really, ex- <laughs> which is really, really, really exciting. Um, okay. As you mentioned, you can debate that the AFC East or the AFC North are, are, are the co- most competitive divisions. Uh, as we know this week, horrible, disappointing news with Joe Burrow going down with a calf. I had St- Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Freeland. I had Stefania Bell, who, of course, we both know extremely well, on my program mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week, right after the injury took place. And she said she's got some major concerns, not just the fact that he's going to be out, uh, as w- indicated, the next few weeks, but also how this could linger. So with that being said, the Baltimore Ravens, to me, are interesting. They hired Todd Munkin. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that hire. Um, and we know how much he loves to throw the football. Love the addition of Flowers, as well as OBJ. I think this is going to be a much different offense, uh, more pass-happy offense than we've seen in years past with Lamar Jackson. Um, You could get the Ravens right now to to, to win the AFC North, Cynthia, 2-1. to Cincinnati is still favored, even with this injury. 2-1 to for Baltimore. How do you see this division playing out? Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that 2-1 to is, that's a, that seems, maybe hasn't adjusted yet, so go get that before it's, it seems like a mispriced situation, mm-hmm. but you know, figure that out before the pricing catches up. But you know, it's funny when you talk about the Ravens and for me, I feel like their offense is going to be very exciting. But when I close my eyes and think Ravens, I think about like Ray Lewis and T sizzle and thinking about that defense. And that's where I have a lot of questions for the Ravens this season. I don't know what their defense is going to look like. David Ojabo, who they drafted last year out of Michigan with an injury, didn't play last season and if he is actually able to help along that front that's going to be a huge difference maker but it's weird to be like I feel comfortable about the Ravens offense but I'm questioning their defense and specifically their ability to generate pressure it just something about that feels wrong (laughs) it's wrong to say but that's how I feel when I think about the Ravens it's kind of an anomaly of a team where you know Mark Andrews is going to be a really important key piece to that offense as well and that O-line helping Lamar Jackson out is going to be important too. So when I'm watching, when I'm, when I'm watching these training camps and figuring it out, I'm, I'm looking at their secondary and looking at, you know, I, I do like Marlon Humphrey, but can he do it himself? I don't know. I, the defense needs to, that's what I'm going to be watching in preseason is Ravens defense to see what I expect from them. But it is a misplaced stock for sure. And I'm sure that there's also ripple effects in that I don't know what the number, the win total for the Steelers is, but I'm sure that number is too low as well. You know, earlier in the season, I saw like eight and a half wins, and, you know, Mike Tomlin does not lose. You know, Mike Tomlin doesn't have 10, you know, nine Nine is a very achievable number for this Steelers squad. Yeah, um, that's one of my my favorite uh, win totals is the Steelers over their win total, like you said, at eight and a half. Um uh, and, and again, I just looked, it's actually now at, at plus 230, the Baltimore Ravens to win the AFC North. It's now, it's now at plus 230, just FYI. Um, in the wow. AFC West, in, interesting comments that we heard from Sean Payton. He said uh, he forgot to take his, fo- <laughs> his box analysis um, hat off and said some horrible things about Nathaniel Hackett. Worst coaching job ever in the history of the NFL. 20 dirty hands. <laughs> Uh, in regard to how Russell Wilson was was handled, you work for the NFL Network. Give us a look behind the curtain, if you can, Cynthia. I- I'm sure you know a lot of things that you can't report. What are some of the things that you can report as to all that went wrong 
with Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver last year? I mean, when you, the whole thing. So I was, I was, uh, I did Bill's preseason last season as well. And one of the games was against the Broncos. And really it, it was kind of like, you know, look, Nathaniel Hackett was an amazing offensive coordinator. And a lot of the things you saw were not things that are very different from other people who come from a coordinator position and have the head coaching responsibility. And, you know, it's a, it's a very different job. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world just to go from one to the other. And, and by the way, bringing Russell Wilson in and he, he had a different, you know, Pete Carroll's a legend for a reason. Like he does things a certain way. Well, that's not the same way that they had been doing things in Green Bay where Nathaniel Hackett had come from. It was like just because he'd been around a first ballot Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily mean that all of the, you know, the things, the, 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 the T's that you have to cross and the I's that you have to dot, those were all different. So it, I don't know if I'd call him the worst coach in the history of the NFL. And I, I appreciate that Sean is at least, like, come on, like, it, it should be fun. I mean, he didn't say anything, I don't know, I, I feel like Sean should know better, but at some point, I mean, Sean's a legend too, so he's, he can say what he wants a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't. nothing was really that out of whack considering what we've seen from other coordinators who rise to that position. Um, I just, I, I, I heard some crazy stuff in, in how things were run there, um, but... You know, again, I, I don't want to sit here and report anything that that I, I really don't have my finger on the pulse of. Uh, but nonetheless, in the AFC West, everybody, as we know, Kansas City is king. But is this the year that you should be careful of the Los Angeles Chargers? <laughs> I've worked in I've worked at the NFL Network for this is about to be my eighth season. And I feel like this is the same question we ask every single season about the Chargers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, like they have the roster, but for whatever reason, it's really like, no, like it's still the Chiefs, right? Like obviously, okay, let's, let's just uh, assume they figure out the Chris Jones situation because that is actually a massive, important situation to, to figure out. But the Chargers, for whatever reason, it's, I think they have a great, I don't know what it is. Maybe they need to get some sage. They need to go through their entire thing and like figure they, they have like a little, a little curse on I don't know but it just seems like they're they're plagued with some injuries every season it, it comes down to some what I'm gonna call like very weird stuff that like you know like a so many extra injuries or something it's 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 hard to imagine with the fact that nine rookies played in the Super Bowl last year for the Kansas City Chiefs that it's going to be anyone but the Chiefs you know you have to kind of give them that respect but again Chargers roster is great and I do think that this is a season where they could make it to the playoffs if the Broncos kind of flounder for a few games. Two more questions for you before I let you go uh, to uh, carry on with this beautiful Sunday morning um, for both of us. <laughs> you said you just came from Raiders camp. Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. cleared. Um, what you know? Are, are people sleeping on the Raiders at all? Um, I think the offense, so for your fantasy teams, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it here, and then I'm not going to say it again until after we draft for fantasy, but I do think Jacoby Myers is probably going to be undervalued in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think between yep. he and Hunter, Hunter Renfro, actually I loved it. Hunter Renfro had a presser where he was like, last year I mentally had some, I was in a weird space, and he's like, but I got it cleared out. I talked to coach. I'm working through it. Like, he was so honest and, like, it was very refreshing. I really, like, 
as a human being, I already liked Hunter Renfro, but I like really liked him after hearing him be just so honest and like, hey, like my mind is in a whatever and, and I got it worked out and I'm continuing to work on it. And this is a guy who catches a hundred, he's at a hundred, you know, he, this is a guy who gets a huge volume and has a great amount of catches. So between those two, I think, you know, obviously there's always a Devontae Adams factor, but I'm, I'm not going to pretend that their defense They've got a lot of questions right now. They have 11 corners in their <laughs> in their cornerback room, which means you know sometimes when you have 11, you have none, and you know you get, they got to figure out their secondary. But that does mean for your fantasy team that this could be a high volume passing situation and a lot of receptions needed and a lot more emphasis on the offense. You could have up to three receivers on that team that are really impactful, especially in the wake of Darren Waller leaving. Uh, on um... And last but not least, just the NFC is just when you compare the teams in the NFC to the AFC, it's just it's like pale in comparison. It's it's just unbelievable how um, how bad how bad the NFC is. With that being said, I love the Seattle Seahawks this year. I love the Seattle Seahawks. I think they win. I think they win the division, and I think they make some noise in the postseason. What say you? Yeah, no, I'm I I think Seattle. I think people are very much. I'm not going to say sleeping on Seattle, but I think it's like right now it feels at least nationally that the conversation is really centered around the Eagles and then the Niners, right? And you have to remember the Niners, they don't really know who their quarterback is right now. It's very confusing what's going on in that, you know, injury situation, right? And Brock Purdy, as much as, you know, he, he you're right, he played a playoff game. He did really well, but that doesn't make him a guy who can do the entire season. Like it's, it's wild to think, all of these things, but it is a great defense. Let me, let me be fair. I'm going to give them their flowers and they have amazing skill, skill players on offense, but I'm, I'm with you on Seattle. I think Seattle could be a really interesting team that makes the noise postseason. And in part, because I think they're going to have the opportunity to be a little healthier because their schedule is decently favorable because of all those. NFC teams. Right. It, it's just, Insane. it's just, it's just, it's just really, really like the NFC South and the NFC North. I just, I don't even want to make of it. So, Cynthia, all South. I, Go ahead. I literally, and I'm, I literally was like, Jimmy. I thought I, my email from like 2019 or whatever had resurfaced in the top of my email when I saw the Jimmy Graham sign. I was like, what's going on here? I was like, is my email messed up? It's, it's, it's just, it's wild. It, it is wild. It is wild. Um, Cynthia, always great to have you on the show and, uh, and look forward to hearing uh, you obviously more often with us during football season. We're, we're so blessed and so grateful to have you. Thank you, my friend. You got to just talk to you soon. All right. Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, uh, doing, the th- doing her thing, uh, touring around the country. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are next. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Also, we'll find out what is trending at 11.20 a.m. as Tom and Joe lead the way. And as I said, uh, booked a special guest for us on the show, um, Alec Lewis, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic. Thought it'd be great. Let, let's, let's, let's get somebody in who, who knows this team, who knows Dalvin Cook. Give us some, a little bit more insight on the player and what he thinks, how this is all going to unfold. Uh, and he'll be joining us a little bit after 11.30 a.m. Okay? So, still a lot more coming your way. Nina Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport, find out what is trending at 11.25 a.m. on this beautiful Sunday morning. Our producers always lead the way. Gentlemen, what you got, Tom and Joe? Well, it's training camp, so that means that the sun is out, tempers flare, and Travis Kelsey gets into fights with his teammates. So, Travis Kelsey decided that he decided uh, he wanted to shove one teammate at one point and then punch his other teammate in Saturday's practice. Maybe he had a bad morning, we really don't know. But what we do know is that was trending across social media on all over X, a platform formerly known as Twitter. <whistles> no, we got to find a sound effect for that. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Travis Kelsey went on to say he's got to learn, or excuse me, got to be a better leader after those practice fights. And Andy Reid um, has tried to discourage this type of behavior from happening at Chiefs practices, quoted as saying, fighting is a waste of time. You get thrown out of games doing it. You just, excuse me, you get hurt out there doing it. But they're going to, they're going to jaw. It's hot. It's humid. They're going to jaw a little bit. Just as long as there's not punches thrown, we're all right. Well, we're a little bit past that at this point. And so, yeah, Travis Kelsey just letting his tempers flare a little bit at Chiefs training camp. Yeah. And, and I, from what I understand, he came out and apologized, said, I'm a veteran. I should know better. Um, and he should. But it, it's, hard, it's hard sometimes. Right? You're out there. It's hot. You know, you, what, what, I, what I find interesting is I, I think we see more fights when you get into, like, the cross, the teams who cross practice together. Right. See, that's typically that's typically when I when I expect these type of situations to uh, to 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 rear its ugly head. See, I was just about to say say the same thing when you got players drawing at each other and trash talking each other. When you're on the same team, that can mean one thing. When you're on two separate teams, that that's when the tempers start going and that's when the adrenaline adrenaline really starts rushing. And yeah, you might get a little bit testy with some other teams that's expected on the football field. So as long as it's not with the team, then I would assume it's all right. But if it's with the team, yeah, you got to kind of bottle that up a little bit. Also, Joe, what you got? Also, just really quick, I can't help but not think of Draymond Green and how that situation kind of derailed the entire season for the Warriors. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Chiefs. But 
Sticking with training camp news, and a former Jet finds a new home. Quan Alexander is now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So goes from one formidable defense to another. Quan Alexander, who turns 29 this year, will play for his third NFL franchise. Ooh. Okay. Hey, listen, we just heard from Cynthia Freeland. She said, don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers win total over. I'm with her. It's one of my favorite win total overs out there. Futures bets that you could jump on before the season begins. Guys, got one more? I do got one more. So this is more of a uh, very nice story. So the headline is Chris Henry Jr., son of late NFL uh, wide receiver uh, Chris Henry, commits to Ohio State. But I didn't know this about Chris Henry Jr. and the relationship that uh, his father had with Adam Pacman Jones uh, when he was in the NFL with his father. So supposedly, uh, Chris Henry Jr., uh, he was raised by Adam Pacman Jones, who was friends with the late Chris Henry uh, when both were teammates at West Virginia and then in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals. And the uh, father of Chris Henry uh, Jr., Chris Henry, he unfortunately passed away in December of 2009 mm-hmm. um, after falling out the back of a pickup truck um, in a dispute. But I didn't know that side about Adam Pacman Jones, so I, you just see a different light with people. Like, honestly, that's good for Pac-Man for stepping up for his one of his great friend's kids. Like, that's just an amazing story, I think. Wow, what a horrible story. He, he passed away. He, he had an altercation in the, in the back of a pickup truck. And... Yeah, that's what, I'm, but, that's what I'm seeing on ESPN right now. Oh, that's horrible. Gosh. Uh, and any, any, can we end up with any good news? I have a Met lineup for you. Okay, let's let's end let's end with that, please. So, leading off, playing center field, Brandon Nemo, batting second, playing short, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil's in right today, Pete Alonso cleaning up at first base, your guy Daniel Vogelbach is DHing, batting fifth, Mark Canna's in left, Brett Beatty batting seventh, playing third, Omar Narvaez catching and batting eighth, and Danny Mendick batting ninth. And yes, Met fans. Justin Verlander is still a member of your New York Mets. He will make his scheduled start against the Nats this afternoon in Queens. There you go. There you have it. This is, uh, this is what's trending at 11.31 a.m. on this Sunday. Quick break. We'll take you to Minnesota. Let's find out. Let's get some more. Let's get some deets on Dalvin Cook. Um, also, we've got some Eagles tickets that we're giving away after more than 50 years of touring and consistently selling out arenas and stadiums worldwide. The Eagles announced that their upcoming The Long Goodbye Tour will be the band's final tour. The band will stop at UBS Arena at Belmont Park this September 20th. Tickets are on sale now at ubsarena.com. We'll give away a pair of tickets just to be caller number five right now at 888-987-ESPN. Caller number five, 888-987-ESPN. Keep it locked to ESPN New York all day for more chances to win. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Alec Lewis joins us now from The Athletic. He covers the Minnesota Vikings. Alec, thanks you so much for uh, for spending some time with us this morning. Really do appreciate it. I'm sure as you know what's being reported, Dalvin Cook is here in New York. He's been here since uh, late Thursday, Friday. Spent some time on a boat out in Long Island. Uh, made his way to the Jets facility. They uh, they did a, a physical looking at his shoulder. Uh, the Jets are now in the midst of a green and white scrimmage. He apparently is out there watching the scrimmage happen. I'm sure Jets fans are out there yelling and screaming his name and <laughs> waiting to hear whether or not he puts his John Hancock on a piece of paper and signs with the Jets. With that being said, let's rewind before we look forward. Your thoughts on Dalvin Cook and his time with the Minnesota Vikings uh, what what should Jets fans know about him? Yeah, first, thanks for having me, Anita. I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the time. And, yeah, I've seen Dalvin. I mean, you mentioned the boat in Long Island. That sounds pretty nice um, to be able to get to do that on a summer day. And it looks like he is, is, he is out there and having a blast just watching practice, um, as we all are these days. But to your question, um, I, mean, Dalvin was, I mean, Dalvin was a star. He was a star player, I think. Um, just a key focal point of an offense that has had a bunch of stars. I mean, obviously, as everybody knows, Justin Jefferson is, is that guy. But I think if you think about Dalvin and, and obviously what he did on the field, he's an electric player, a guy who has home run hitting ability um, and, and a, at a time where obviously we could talk a lot about how running backs are viewed. But, I mean, even last year specifically, though there were some negative plays and struggles. I mean, I go back to, I mean, they, the Vikings played in Miami. He, he at his hometown. He broke through the middle. I think it's like an 84-yard touchdown run. I mean, there was, there was a screen pass against Indianapolis and the great comeback that Dalvin took for like 65 yards. So a guy who has home run hitting ability. And then in the locker room, I mentioned Justin Jefferson, but those two were close. And I think a lot of guys uh, respected kind of his veteran presence and, and the fact he'd been around. So, I think people here were um, disappointed to lose them, but I think also at the same time they were understanding that the Dalvin and his camp have wanted uh, they've wanted a deal that that just didn't align with what the Vikings were willing to pay, and so I think now we are at a place, as you know, where he is kind of out and about um, working to find a team that is willing to meet him at at his wants. Totally understand that. Uh, again, uh, covering the team, you know this player better than most. Um, you know, I, I think it's evident, uh, you know, if, if his motivational factor is to win or, or try to win a championship, it's with Aaron Rodgers at the helm quarterbacking. But it seems like some of his comments, especially to CBS Sports HQ, is that the Miami Dolphins, his home team, is pulling at the heartstrings. Based on what you know about Dalvin Cook, I guess two-part question. Number one, uh, what what do you feel is more important to him? And number two, does he strike you as the player who would leverage teams uh, to try to get the best deal financially, considering he is up there in age uh, in in running back standards? The second one first with one word. Yes, he would do that. Um, And his camp would do that. Uh, So I can start there. Uh, To your first question, I do think Miami, in some capacity, has pulled at the heartstrings for him. I mean, I, it's funny. I go back to that, that week they played there, um, the Vikings did last season. And, and before that game, I remember talking to him about this park that he grew up at. And, and 
and he was talking about it. He was talking about just like what it meant for him, some of the older guys he looked up to at this park. And then I, I actually went over prior to the game on, on that Sunday and like went to the park. I remember walking up to some kids and I was like, this is where Dalvin plays. They're like, they, and they were like bright eyed about like the fact that there was a person talking about this, one of their heroes that, that grew up in that area. So I, I use I say that to say like I I do think there's a piece of him that that really appreciates loves Miami and I, I'll also say this just from conversations I've had with people across the league like I think Miami there have been times where Miami has been interested in him but I think in general um, I think they're at a situation right now Dalvin is where it, it it is best best offer who's willing to pay him the money that I think he and his camp believe he, he is deserving and and then I also think to your point earlier, like the winning factor and, and joining a team that has the buzz like the, like the Jets do right now, I think is also, um, I think that probably also has some pull to it. So it's going to be, I mean, I'm fascinated just from afar to see how this thing ends up and then ultimately to see what the contract looks like because I, I go back to the very beginning of the Vikings cutting him in the first place. Like I, I, I felt like the Vikings were willing if, 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 the money were to have worked out, but I just don't, I think they were way too far. And so I'm, I'm just kind of, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out and, and what those figures look like in the end. What's your gut telling you, Alec? Yeah, I think the jet, I mean, the jets watching him, <laughs> watching him out there um, today. I mean, it looks like he, I mean, it, it's almost like he's in the full a part of it. So I think that that's a really good sign. I, I don't, I mean, he hasn't obviously done that with a Miami or, or didn't do that with New England. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably where I would lean. But, again, I, I, and I, I think I, 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 I prefaced it all because I think the money is the key. And, and I know that uh, I just think ultimately if the Jets are willing to meet he and his camp where, where they are, um, I think that's probably where I would lean. Um, again. Really, really great insight, uh, and and so appreciate you joining us, Alec. Alec Lewis joining us. He covers the Minnesota Vikings with the Athletic. Before we let you go, uh, let's take a look at the Minnesota Vikings, right? So no Cook, uh, Alexander Madison. I'm really huge into fantasy. Uh, what, is is this? Yeah. You know, what's the workload for him? What are you anticipating? Is this like lock and reload? Uh, what role is Madison going to play in this offense this season? Yeah, I think fantasy. I think fantasy players looking for a running back. He he's going to be the workhorse for this team. I mean, their their backups right now are are guys that a lot of people probably couldn't name, and Kanae Longwu and Ty Chandler. And so I think Alexander Madison. They they believe this this new regime led by Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. They they believe um, in Alexander Madison going back to when they arrived here before last season, and I think. They see him as a guy who can help them be more efficient in the run game, and I also think they they believe that he can uh, contribute in the pass game, whether it's screens or even out on the edge running routes. And so I, I expect him to have a pretty good workload. And I also say this: like a lot of people think of of the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell, the former quarterback, former Sean McVay assistant, as passing guy, and, and he is. Like I think he, he is um, one of his strengths is scheming a passing offense. But he has been very um, – I mean, he's been very serious in the fact that he uh, believes that running the football more efficiently is going to be huge for this team and critical for this team. And so I I do expect Alexander Madison to get a lot of work 
um, and them to lean on him uh, a lot this season. Uh, it, it will be interesting. A lot of people feel that Justin Jefferson should be the number one wide receiver taken in fantasy this season. Uh, but you have the addition of uh, of Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson coming in for another year, KJ Osborne. Uh, if you were, um, and, and again, I don't know, do you do you play fantasy? Uh, would you take <laughs> Justin Jefferson number one, one number one overall, Alec? Um, yeah, I, I think I hope I can say that I play fantasy. I'm, I'm like a human being. I also cover the league, but I am a human being. So yeah, but yeah, if I had if I had the number one pick, uh, Justin Jefferson would be the most no brainer of all time. Like I, yesterday we were out at training camp and it was the first day of the fans, and he caught two crazy touchdowns. One was like on the sideline, another was was like he's juking guys over the field. And I'm almost like, it, I mean, he's going as hard as he is. He's gritting all over the field. It, it was almost um, hard to understand how he, how he is giving it as, as, as much as he is already. Um, but, yeah, he's a no-brainer. And then I, I guess, though I play, and hopefully the members of my league aren't listening to this, um, if you go back last year and look at T.J. Hawkinson's tight end, look at his target share, from the time he arrived as a Minnesota Viking, it ranks up, I believe, in the top 15 of all pass catchers across the league. Um, you can tell Kirk Cousins really, really trusts him, and I expect him to, to have a huge year as long as he stays healthy, T.J. Hawkinson, that is. I, I Though I think they did, to your point, add Jordan Addison as a first-round pick, and K.J. Osborne, I think, is in a contract year, so he's going to be motivated, but I, I really expect – T.J. Hawkinson to be a focal point in this offense, helping to take coverage away from Justin Jefferson. A lot of people anticipating the Detroit Lions, their favorite to win this division. No more Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, how do you think Kirk Cousins and this team feels about that? What are their, What do you feel the Minnesota Vikings' chances are of uh, of upsetting the apple cart? And uh, listen, also, don't, don't let me leave out the Bears, right? A lot of people really high on the Bears and Justin <laughs> Fields coming in this season. Uh, how how confident are you that this Minnesota Vikings team could win their division? Yeah, I I'd, I'd say um, I, I'm I'm mild on it. I'm kind of um, neutral, I would say, because I I think there are so many questions. Like you mentioned, Detroit, and we can go through all of them. It's a, because it's an interesting division. Detroit obviously has arguably one of the hottest young coordinators in the NFL, and Ben Johnson. I think offensively what they've done and what they're going to do is going to be really fun to watch again. But I think defensively, even though they have retooled on that side, I think questions still exist about how good they can be. Um, Green Bay, you obviously mentioned, without Aaron Rodgers, I think everybody wants to know what Jordan Love's going to look like, even though they have talent on defense. That defense has not been the most successful. And then Chicago, Justin Fields, uh, I think everyone also is looking to see how, how limitless is his ceiling. What, is it, what does he look like as a passer? And then just do they have enough talent across the field? So I come back to the Vikings, and I think in a division where there are, are questions all over the map, the Vikings have questions of their own. They, they, they have a really young defense. They hired Brian Flores to be their defensive coordinator. And there's a lot of positive vibes around this team, and I think offensively they should be pretty good. Um, but I, I mean, I think this is why this division is, is kind of a toss up. Detroit has a lot of the hype right now, but I could see it going anyway. The Vikings uh, won a lot of one score game last year. If that, if, if, if the coin comes up their way again this year, then I think they have a chance to win the division for sure. 
Alec, great having you on. Really appreciate your time and your insight on, on Dalvin Cook. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Anita. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of the Sunday. You got it. Alec Lewis uh, covering the Minnesota Vikings for The Athletic. We come back. We'll uh, wrap up the show next here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. As Dalvin Cook is hanging out on the sideline talking to Woody Johnson. Anybody spot his dog out there? 800-919-3776. Cynthia Freeland said if his dog is there, she thinks it's a done deal. With I can't wait. By the way, I'm probably I'm more excited to see Woody Johnson's dog on Hard Knocks than anything else. If that's the case. What is that? That'd be a dog growling. Ah, see, my dogs don't do that, so I don't even know. I don't even know what that's about. I don't even know. No, my dog never, never even heard them make that noise ever, ever. Let's go to Justin in Tom's River. Justin, welcome in. Hey, Anita. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, you made a lot of great points about the Dalvin Cook. You know, my biggest thing with, is not so much the leverage that Dalvin Cook would be using. For me, it's him coexisting in that running back room. You know, Brees Hall is a future star in this league and the Jets' future at running back with those two guys coexisting. On the flip side of that, if they can coexist, what a great dynamic duo. You have that thunder and lightning and both a threat out of the backfield to catch the ball. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's no denying, you know, Brees Hall, prior to him getting injured, boy, did he look absolutely magnificent, right? But, you know, it's very few and far between athletes who can recover, recoup from an ACL and come back and be 100%. But can a 75% Brees Hall, based on what we saw last year, suffice? Sure. But, you know, I, I do believe that, um, I do believe that the Jets have to, do have something else back there other than Brees Hall. Listen, we didn't even talk about this today. Apparently, Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Colts, met with John, J- Jim Ursay, the owner, and has requested a trade. Now, Ursay and the Colts are saying, we're not going to grant that request. Uh, we're not going to trade him. We have no interest in trading him. But, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Jonathan Taylor. Could that be an option? You know, again, for me, it's more the offensive line with this Jets team, um, even though there are a number of people out there who feel quite confident, like Bart Scott. Uh, very interesting. In the break, uh, Tom had a, a fantasy question. What was it again, Tom? You asked me. I'm going to throw this one to Joe because. Oh, I, was it Joe? I'm yeah. sorry. Joe asked me. <laughs> I didn't have the question. I know, Joe, we only have a minute. What was the fantasy question you asked me? Uh, how many mock drafts do you do? I, oh, how many mock drafts? That's because right. Because you have like 50 or 60 fantasy leagues that you do. I have 12. Don't over-exaggerate. What's the difference? 50, 12, what's the difference? It's a, uh, what? What is that? 38? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a really good multitasker. So a lot of times what I'll do is like when I'm sitting back and like watching a show like Hijack, if you haven't watched it, you need to. Um, I'll sit there and I'll, 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 I'll do mock drafts, but, and, and typically what I like to do is, is I like to try to find out where I'm drafting so that I can make sure that I'm doing the mock draft in the space that I'm actually drafting at. And also I like to use the mock draft in the, in the website that I'm actually drafting at because they're all so different, whether it's ESPN, NFL, or CBS. So there's that. Uh, Larry Hardesty is going to follow me in the next 15 seconds. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Joe and Tom for doing a phenomenal job producing as always. Everybody have a fantastic week and I will talk to you next weekend right here on 98.7 ESPN.